Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Take Charge podcast. I'm Andy Proudman and I'm joined here with my co-host Pierce Ward. And we have recently been to the Masters, uh, courtesy of Adidas Golf, as part of the ultimate road trip. So a massive thank you to those. Now, in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be sharing our experience, talking about what we thought of the golf course there at Augusta, um, some stats from the players, all sorts of different things that went on during that weekend, our thoughts on the players and what the future holds for the rest of the season. This is a great podcast, really sharing our experience of the Masters. We hope you enjoy. So we are back from our first ever Masters experience, Piers. Um, it's actually quite strange to be back, isn't it, really? Thinking that we were there walking the fairways and walking the, the course at Augusta. Um, one bucket list item ticked off the list. Um, what are your thoughts? Since you've been back, what have you thought about? Because um, it's, I mean, it's such a special place, isn't it, Augusta? That when, when to actually sort of think that we've been there and spent, you know, time on the golf course now, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Do you know what? It is by far the most surreal experience I think I've ever had on a golf course. I think we we spoke about this, and it took us all pretty much a day to realise this. So obviously, the fours were there, um, and on the. The Sunday, we kind of had the realisation that actually, we've watched this tournament for the last 20 plus years. You know, we've, it's one of the biggest reasons that we play golf, you know, this event is. You can remember the shots, you can remember the commentaries, and it was just a very sort of surreal moment. Think, well, actually, this, this venue where I'm at now, this grass that I'm standing on, is probably the most responsible thing for me playing golf. Yeah. And then when you start thinking like that, it, it just goes to a whole other, a whole other level. Yeah, it was just it was it was crazy. It was great. I mean, it was, you know, you can't, you know, you have to go to experience it to fully understand what it's about. Yeah, and I think, like you said, you, for watching it for the last twenty years and seeing the holes, you know, you know what's happened on each hole, and you know the what's happened on the back nine of these tournaments, and to actually finally be there was um, was pretty incredible, really. And I think it, it was an amazing week spending time with Pete and Seb, um, you know, just having a good time. Um, with no phones, which was which was interesting, no phones allowed on the golf course, so we couldn't take Brilliant. pictures and record. Yep. Apart from being able to create content, that was really good to be able to not have the phones in there. It was. You, it no was a different experience. Yeah, no distractions. Yeah, it was good to just enjoy the tournament for what it is, and you know, meet some people around the course as well, which was uh, which was great. But yeah, what a what an incredible tournament. So, let's talk then, Pierce, just quickly, because obviously, watching it on TV is totally different to being there and experiencing it. And everybody talks about you know how different it is when you're actually there. Let's talk about the golf course and um, what we saw compared to what you'd normally see. What, you know how different it was. Um, what, what were your What were your thoughts compared to how it is experiencing it sort of there live as opposed to actually watching it on TV? So I suppose the 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 big thing that everybody talks about is the fact that it's a lot hillier than you can actually see on TV, and we know that, and you understand that. And it is obviously when you get there, it is. It is quite undulating, you know. There's some holes where you think, like the seventh, you think, "Oh, I didn't realise the seventh was so, you know, so raised." The green was the ninth. You kind of get the idea. It probably would have been that raised. I think the the thing for me was how small the greens were. Yeah. You know, a lot of the greens were small, a lot smaller than I thought they would be. The approaches, the approach on nine, it was probably about seven yards wide. The front of that green. Yeah. And you never see the guys miss it left or right. You always see them pitch it on the front or not high enough up the green and spin it back. Um, 
but you know you don't really you don't really appreciate how small that target was and then you look at some of the par threes you know the 12th i mean you're sort of standing behind yeah. it and what i love about the 12th i've got to say this because i would love i was telling a client last night in a golf lesson you can sit within five yards of them hitting that golf shot. There's yeah. no billboard in the way. You are literally right behind them. The caddies don't stand in the way. You, you, could, almost, you could almost grab the club on the backswing. You yeah. are that close to them. But when you're sitting in that position and you look at the green, we, we're like, well, hang on a bit. Is there a green there? Yeah. You don't really know. And there's a quite a distinct difference in colour between the greens, the fairways, the rounds, and obviously the bunkers. But it was hard to see the actual green on that. So you can see why people really do struggle with that. I don't know the depth of that green. Again, it's probably only around about 7 to 10 yards. You put a bit of wind into the equation, then suddenly that becomes a very difficult golf shot. And I think, you know, it just shows you how good these guys are. But you need a plan around there. You need to know where you're going to hit it. You need to know where not to hit it. Because you can be... I, I read about... I know we're going to talk about some stats later. I was reading before the tournament on the stats and how... That actually, over the last few years, the last 10, 15 years, the best putters aren't the ones who win. You always think that they are the ones who are going to win. But it's very easy to three-putt from the wrong place. So you yeah. need to be a good putter if you hit it in the wrong place. But I don't care how good you are at putting. You put it in the wrong place on those greens, yeah. you're probably not going to two-putt. So the best players and the winners are the guys who are the best with their irons, their yeah, approach, approach shots. because. They're hitting the approach shots into the correct place where maybe even me and you could two-put yeah. from those certain areas. And rolling them in from there, aren't they? That's the key thing. That's the difference. Yeah, they are, they are doing that. Yeah, they are doing that. Yeah, and I think, look, I mean, what, what we did on the uh, first day, so we were in on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. The first day we got in there, we were really um, walking around the golf course. Saying you, we, we wanted to get a feel of the whole golf course. So we walked around the front nine, walked around the back nine, had a good look at each hole, didn't see lots of play. Saw bits of play, but really I think it was just a matter of, look, we're here at the Masters, we want to make sure that we get a good experience and see the golf course. So that was the first day, and then on the second day, which was obviously uh, the final day, we had a little bit of a walk in the morning, and then we positioned ourselves on 16 and sat there for probably, I'd say, two two to two and a half hours, watching all the sort of la- the last groups come in. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting experience, Pierce, because there's no... Um, there's no TVs around there. You can't really see what's going on from any of the players. All you actually really see are the scoreboards change every now and again and the roars around the golf course. Mm. So we're on 16, really not seeing what's going on. But all we're doing is hearing the roars from either holes ahead or holes behind and sort of guessing what's happening on the play. And um, It was interesting because you could tell by the roar um, who was actually doing what? You know, if you heard a huge roar ahead of us, it was like, oh, Ma- um, Ricky Fowler's just birdied 18. He, he must have just birdied 18 because the roar was so big, you know, he's got a lot of support. So, um, and then you'd see the scoreboard change, people were cheering on that as well. So it was, a, it was a, an interesting experience to, to, to not see that much golf, but still get excited about the golf and see the players come through. And 16 was brilliant. So obviously, we saw Spieth on there roll his birdie, put in on 16. and there was birdies flying in from everywhere on that on that yeah. hole, weren't there? Really, I think I think the, the what we actually spoke about it the night before. If there's only one hole that you can go to and stay at, what would that hole be? I can't remember if we did that on the Saturday night or the Friday night, but we kind of pretty much agreed that 16 on Sunday was the one to do. Yeah, because you know that there can be some hole in ones. Having said that, we missed Charlie Hoffman's hole in one. Yeah, but you know there can be some hole in ones because of the pin position. And, you know, where we were sitting was just tremendous. We couldn't see 15th green, unfortunately. We could hear what was going on, obviously. 
What we could see, though, was a scoreboard on the 6th. So the scoreboard on the 6th, as you said, you're trying to figure out who made the putt from the raw that you had. Yeah. And it was actually, we were pretty good at sort of guessing who that was. But it, it is great in a way. I mean, you kind of do that on the TV as well. You can be watching it live and then suddenly hear a roar on the golf course and you think, well, who could that have been? But actually being there, watching 16, and that for me made the tournament. You know, there's, there's lots of other things that we'll talk about in a moment about what makes the Masters an amazing venue. But for me personally, sitting there, watching the leaders come through on the Sunday afternoon on the 16th was just the best part of the tournament. Yeah, it, it was. It was special. It was. And it's, it was nice to be able to just sit down and just see people come yeah. through as opposed to walk around the golf course. But we did that on the, uh, obviously on the Saturday. So um, let's talk briefly about, look, final day. Yes. You got Reed going in, going obviously with the lead over yes. McElroy. Uh, three ahead, I think he was, wasn't he? Three ahead going to the last round. Um, McElroy does his interview and he said the pressure's all on Reed. He mm-hmm. doesn't feel he feels in a great opportunity. And um, it was interesting to hear McElroy be so so honest and truthful. And you know whether that was any tactics to try and you know psych him out or anything. 100%. You know you don't know really, but I think yeah. you know you you've got to give credit to Reed to go out there. With the pressure on him, and he actually listening to Reed, he said that 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 almost took the pressure off him. You know, McElroy saying that yeah. that you know the pressure's all on him. He says he felt that it actually took the pressure off him because yeah. all these guys are um, are expecting to, or nobody was expecting Reed to hold on. So he was yeah. like, "Well, nobody's expecting me to hold on. That takes the pressure off me, so I can go out there and just play golf." And listening to what he said, that's all he said. He, you know, him and his caddy worked really hard, and just you know, his caddy kept on saying to him. Look, just get out there. We're just going to play hole by hole. We're going to just play golf like you have been, you know, for the whole uh, tournament. And uh, it's hard to do that in that situation, but mm-hmm. obviously he, he did that to a to a good level and um, didn't quite break the, the scoring record for each day in terms of in the 60s, but still managed to shoot one under and uh, and win the tournament. So uh, disappointed to not see McElroy make a charge though, Pierce. I think we thought that he might have come good that last day and and, and at least. You know, at least put up a challenge, put up a fight, but he just it just wasn't right for him, was it? He wasn't quite getting it going, was he? Yeah, look, I think going back to your earlier comment on did he do that on purpose? Yeah, hundred percent. He tried to put the pressure on Reed to make him fall. Did Reed feel like it took the pressure off? I don't know whether it did. I think he probably said that as his response to McElroy to say, "Oh, thanks, mate. You've you know you've made it easier for me." There's no way he wouldn't have been feeling the pressure because, it, as McElroy said, it wasn't just McElroy chasing him down; it was the other guys and the guys behind. Whether it be Stenson, Rahm, Fowler, and Spieth, they can all shoot low. Now, oh, yeah. three of them did. <laughs> you know, yeah. three of them went low and really had a good go at them. But you're right; he actually stood firm. He was, um, you know, he didn't break the. He didn't have a shoot. He wasn't the first person to shoot in the 60s every round at the Masters, which would have been an amazing achievement. He got close to that, but he didn't need to because he'd done the hard work previous. Yeah. But I think, as you said, Rory, a little bit disappointed. What was he two over last round, something like that, or yeah. one over? I mean, that was, he'll be upset about that. You know, yeah. he hasn't won a major for five years now, so he'll be hurting after that. It may be a good thing for him now for the rest of the year, and the, the fact his form is better now. But you've got to say hats off to Reed because his game looks solid. If he bogeyed, he then came back with a good response. If McElroy birded, he came back yeah. with a good response early on. And then when the guys were flying home, and we, I've never seen anything like it with Spieth. I mean, it was ridiculous ridiculous his run that he went on but then Fowler as well I actually we actually watched Fowler on the 8th and I actually commentated uh, commentated commented to Pete Finch I said 
why does Fowler always struggle on the last day? Why can't he close out? I think he heard me because yeah. he then went birdie ballistic. You know, he went on a, on a on an amazing bat nine, and you know I saw him play that shot into eighteen, and then you hear the the crowd obviously as he knocks the putt in afterwards. That was a tremendous run as well. So I think you know you look at someone like him. Hopefully he'll win a major this year. But again, hats off to Reed. I've I was thoroughly impressed. I think the the one thing that I know we want to talk about is. It was surprising how the American fans perhaps didn't really want him to win yeah. over, say, a Spieth or a Fowler or even a Rory. I think, you know, there are a lot of Americans who are saying they would prefer Rory to win than Reed. And, and it's a little bit of a strange one. And, and you know, whether you, whether you like Patrick Reed or not, you've got to admire what he did. But I think if he can continue to keep winning and continue to keep doing what he does in the Ryder Cups especially... Yeah, the US fans sure they're going to love him because again in September, October, whenever the Ryder Cup is this year, they they are going to be cheering his name because he's going to yeah. be pumped up and wanting to do well. He could be the star player for the Masters yeah. for the Ryder Cup team again. I think that's a good point. I think when it gets to the Ryder Cup this year, I think that although the American fans weren't maybe as keen on him winning this year, I think when they when he gets to the Ryder Cup this year, I think he's going to have a lot of support and a lot of respect. Yeah, regardless of what they think of him as a person. Yeah. I felt a little bit sorry for him, I think, really, just for the fact that um, he probably didn't quite get the credit that he deserved for actually what he did because, you know, we were there on 18 Pierce when he rolled the put into a papar to win and it was like, you know, there was there was some cheers, but it wasn't like a, no. a Mickelson or a Garcia, you know, um, who were obviously a little bit more popular. But, you know, the the quality of the golf that he produced... And the quality of the golfers behind him chasing him down mm-hmm. to hold on to that and to actually still shoot under par and to beat those guys was, I think, uh, an incredible feat. And I think, you know, you've got to really give him credit for that. And, and who knows what he can do from here? You know, will that change him? Maybe not. I think he's in, in his eyes, he's probably he, he's probably just believes he's a major winner and multiple yeah. major winner. I think he's somebody who's got incredible belief in himself. And I think that's one of the biggest things that has helped him to, to actually just get the green jacket because he, he just believes so much in his game that he could just go out there and just believe that it's going to happen. Could that be the reason why the fans don't like him? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so, maybe. I think there's a, he's got belief in himself and I think belief sometimes... Belief can be can, arrogant, can't it, sometimes? It I think it can come way. across that way, yeah. Well, whether it is, uh, who knows? He's, I think he's quite a quiet, a quiet guy, but he's outspoken, which is um, an interesting mix, but... Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see where he goes from here, really. But, I mean, let's go back to... Let's talk about Spieth. Spieth was nine shots back at the start of the, the last day. Nine shots back, and you'd think, well, no, he's got no chance of catching uh, Patrick Reed. But, you know, to get to get to 14 under... I mean, we saw him not the putting on, tw- on 16, mm-hmm. and it went crazy. It was like, OK, now he was tied with Reed. You're thinking, well, can he... I mean, to come back... And get that to that score was was incredible, really. And uh, we were all there sitting there and saying, "Will he knock it in? Will he knock this in?" And we were all saying, "Yeah, yes, no, yes, no." And and he, he rolled it in for birdie, then goes up eighteen, but unfortunately he didn't make um, par on eighteen, bogeyed eighteen. But um, you know, I mean, that just shows the type of golfer Spieth is, doesn't it? And I think although he didn't win, he obviously loves the Masters. I think it's one. Of, I think it's probably his favourite tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from from those guys chasing him, I think those guys are going to do something really special this year and, and past because 
I think just the quality and the grit and the determination that the, the, those guys have is, uh, is something we haven't seen for a long time in golf. You know, it's interesting with Spieth, isn't it? He had a great first round, he had a bad second round, his third round was not amazing, you know, he sort of kept in contention almost, and then obviously his fourth round he went ballistic. And, and it was interesting because we actually, after the Thursday, we were filming obviously as part of the um, ultimate road trip on the Friday, and we wanted Spieth to have a bad round because we thought, because he shot a good round on the first round, that he could do it again the second round and run away with it. Now, we weren't saying that we wanted him to have a bad round because we don't like him. We just said we don't want we want to make sure there's still a tournament when we get there on the weekend. We didn't want him to be 12 shots clear or, or 10 shots clear, whatever. You know, he's very capable of, of shooting low, you know, on that golf course because, as you said, it's, he loves it. And his tee to green form has been superb since he, the last sort of two or three weeks. There was a bit of question mark about his putting at the beginning of the year. But when you're on a golf course that you know so well and you've won before, you start remembering the putts. And they put the pins in the same place pretty much every year. Yeah. So he knows what the, the, the break is on that putt before he even gets there, when he's hit his second shot in. So, you know what? He, he could probably win there four or five times in his career. Yeah, I he think really so. could. I think he really so. could. Because, you know, again, someone, again, with massive belief who loves to play the golf course there, um, he, I think he's going to be uh, getting a few green jackets. Quickly, uh, let's just, before we get into some of the stats, um, one thing that was, uh, was, was good and was great to see on the golf course, Piers, let's talk about the, the staff, the concessions, so basically the food, which was, uh, which was there, which was great, mm-hmm. and also the shop. The shop was. I think we need to talk about the whole golf course. Unbelievable. We need to talk about the whole golf course. I'm not going to tell you how much money I spent in the shop. Um, put it this way, I think we nearly had to buy another suitcase on the way back. We yeah. didn't quite. We stuffed it all in there. Um, but the the shop, it was ridiculous. I think it was a new shop, wasn't it? Yeah, been, yeah, been, brand new. Been built especially for this year. Uh, I just think that. You know, when you go there, you want to obviously get some of the swag, as we were calling it, and we did a giveaway on this as well. You know, but it is it is tremendous. But then when you talk about the staff, we had a, you know, every single person, whether it was someone who was a toilet attendant, whether it was someone on the gate, you know, every member of staff there was fantastic. Yeah. They couldn't have been any more helpful. Welcome to the Masters. You know, yeah. you heard ringing out, and you know, it was as though, well, how much money are they paying these people for, for them to be so happy about it? And I think there's probably a lot of personal pride in working at that event, yeah. obviously. But yeah, you look at, you know, you look at the, the these are all the, the, the fabled stories of the masses, aren't they? The staff are amazing. The, the shop was amazing. The food was, you know, extremely cheap. Um, I don't know how many of those barbecue sandwiches I had. I had yeah. more than enough. Um, but they were, they were really good. And... The thing that I like is is the respect. We hear about it a lot, but the respect for the golfers, the respect of the of the patrons, you know, everything there, you know, the fact that you can get a chair, put it into a place, put your business card in the back and then leave it for the whole day and then yeah. come back to it. There may be someone who's sat in it, but you know when you get back to it, then they they'll they they get there out of your seat no problem yeah. at all. And I think that respect that the tournament has is just something that should probably stay there with golf for a long time. I mean golf has to change. But maybe that tournament doesn't have to change. Yeah. I think there's a mystique around it. It's very expensive to go. We understand that. So it's maybe that's something they could look at for getting, you know, getting more access to people to actually go there and watch it. But maybe they'll just keep it the same. It's their tournament. They can do what yeah. they like. But I think when you look at it, you look at the condition of the golf course. And the one thing I thought about the golf course, just going to that a little bit again, was I couldn't believe how much 
room there was and how easy it was to get from hole to hole yeah. and how easy it was to watch. Perfect view. The only view hole course, that I couldn't see anything, the only hole where I, I was trying to watch and I could just about see what was going on was the winning putt. The 18th, yeah. I can see Patrick Reed's caddy's head. Yeah. I can see Patrick Reed's head. But I couldn't see much else. So 18 yeah. was the only hole where it was struggling to view. But that was everyone who was there on the yeah, Sunday. Yeah, like 25 deep, wasn't it? Exactly. That's, that's the, the reason. every hole, every other hole you can get to easily and you can actually view there. So it's, it's a lot better than some tournaments we've been to, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely. And I think, like you say, the fans and the staff, everything there made the experience... Um, so good and it's definitely if you're a golf fan it's something that you just have to put on the bucket list and and uh, and do someday so let's let's get into um let's look at some of the stats then pierce yeah. let's look at um should we start with patrick reed let's look at his stats what he actually did uh, for the tournament and see what he did on sort of par fives you know greens in reg so let's look at his greens in reg so again you talked about the um the importance of the approach shots mm-hmm. The fairways were actually surprisingly wide. I remember pacing out the second when we crossed the fairway and it was 45 yards wide. So you're thinking, well, the fairways look quite generous. So yes. putting it in play off the tee wasn't too bad. There wasn't much rough either. So if you're in the rough, if you're in the first cut, it was it was a nice lie generally. So there wasn't really too much danger unless you were way off, off the tee. But certainly your second shot's in, your approach shot's, if you are... It's not just about hitting the green, is it? It's no. about hitting the green in the right spot and giving yourself a chance of actually having a good look at birdies opposed to trying to save a two-putt. Yeah. So although the greens in regulation will look at the percentage here, I think the, what you would have found is that Patrick Reed's greens in regulation, his proximity to the, to the hole would have been a lot closer. So he had 66, just over 66% in greens in reg. His driving accuracy was 73%, just over again, which was good there. And uh, let's look at his uh, par three score. He was plus four for the par threes, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, six under for the par fours, which is fantastic round there. Yeah. Um, and the par fives, he was a whopping thirteen under par for the par fives. I think that's the joint scoring record, is it? And, uh, he was no. I think fifteen under is the is the best. He was thirteen under with one round to play, though. So you think he was going to break that scoring record? I think Tiger and Phil and maybe one other guy got fifteen under, but. For him to, you, you'd think he was going to yeah. sort of push on that, but it just shows you he didn't. He didn't break. He didn't break seventy on the last round because he didn't break the par fives. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it's interesting to see those scores really. And when you look at Jordan Speed, let's look at Jordan Speed's um, greens in regulation. He was actually higher than Patrick Reed, so seventy-two point two percent. So um, again, not necessarily just about greens and regulations, about how close you got. Driving accuracy wasn't as good as Patrick Reed. And um, par threes, Jordan was three under par, par fours, two over par, and par fives, 12 under par. So um, big difference on par fives, eight shots, sorry, big difference on par fours, eight shots difference on par four scoring between um, Spieth and Patrick Reed. Mm. Yeah, and look, you know what? It just shows you how good you know Reed was throughout the week. Um, but the stats we see throughout the year, you know, with the par three, the average on par threes is slightly over par. The par three, sorry, the par four average is slightly under par. The par five average is one under par. You yeah. know, generally throughout the season. So par fives are where you make the score, and around on that golf course, with the exceptions of a few flags, Definitely. you can birdie all of those par fives relatively easily. So when you look at Tiger Woods, let's talk about Tiger. A disappointing tournament for Tiger. I'm sure that he'll feel, although a pretty good solid last round. Yeah. Um, 
he will definitely be disappointed. You know, he was going into the tournament probably feeling like he could win the tournament, even yeah. though he's not obviously not played loads. But he was taking some good form from the Valspar, feeling good, loves the golf course, hits it miles, but just didn't quite get it going, did he? Yeah, I think he said that his game wasn't on. I mean, I, I mean, I'm still of the of the opinion that. Hey, Tiger is Tiger, and he has more. Ex- he has higher expectations than anybody in world golf. But he, he, all he's got to think really is, what did he shoot last year? Well, he didn't play last year because he yeah. couldn't walk. You know, so that I think maybe he's got a slightly different out- outlook on it. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's back into that intense. I think I should win every tournament yeah. mode, which obviously has done pretty well for him. But uh, so it'd be interesting to see what. I think he can take a lot of positives out of it. I think the fact that he played badly and he still made the cut. That, that's good. You know, I say badly. He, he wasn't on his game and he could still get round a golf course. So his ability to get round a golf course is still good. I must say, I think next year what he needs to do is pay us to go there because I think we every time we saw him, he birded. Yeah. Apart from the ninth where he pitched it and it spun back off the green. You know, so we actually saw some great golf from Tiger, yeah, but, but we didn't see some of the, the not so good golf. And when you look at his, I mean, let's look at his par fives. I mean, based on, you look at what Patrick Reed did, Patrick Reed was 13 under for the fives, Tiger Woods was six under for the par fives. And he only got that the weekend. Exactly. I mean, he made Eagle on 15. Yep. Um, I think he did, he birdie 13. I think he birdied 13. Made, he made Eagle on 15. He birdied the second as well. So, you know, you look at his par fives and his driving accuracy, his driving accuracy is 53%, so way down compared to... Um, mm. Patrick Reed, and you look at that and you think, well, Tigers wasn't putting himself in a position off the tee to actually, you know, hit these approach shots on these par fives, and it just shows, doesn't it, really, the importance of that at the right time. Yeah. At the right time, you know, over the over the course of four days, you know, fifty three percent driving accuracy isn't really that good. His greens in regulation was sixty six percent, surprisingly yeah. enough. So still not bad for that. Pretty close to, I think, exactly the same actually as Patrick Reed's. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously he wasn't having as close a putts as Patrick yeah. and uh, not being able to do it. But disappointing from Tiger. Um, but I'm sure he's going to come back a little stronger and, uh, you know, he's got another year to prepare for that tournament. But he'll be thinking, he'll be thinking, you know, there's three more majors this year. He'll be yeah. wanting to take one of those, definitely. And six, six months ago, you'd say, you know, would you be happy if Tiger made the cut of the Masters? You'd be like, yeah, we wouldn't think he'd be playing yeah, exactly. again. We actually got to the point where we said we don't think he'd be playing again. So, yeah. He still can compete. How long can he compete for? Ten years if he if he stays fit. Yeah. Why not? But yeah, we'll we'll see on that. We'll see on that. I think it was interesting. With um, I think you're going to come to John Rahm next. I mean, yeah. this guy still impresses me every time I watch him. I'm so impressed with what he does when he plays golf. You know, the fact that he can, you know, he drives it so solid. He hits his irons solid. His short game has got loads of imagination. He puts well. And again, he put himself in with a chance of it. You look at his finish. His finish, obviously, bogeys 15, and I think then parred in, I think. I mean, you know, if he birdies 15, and then as obviously, I think momentum then takes yeah. him to 16, which is very birdieable, you know, suddenly he was right in the mix as well. So it's, it is just these fine margins. I think he was in the rough on his approach into the 15th. He just didn't quite get the contact right, and maybe he thought it was going to pitch on and run on a little bit. Because that's another thing, actually, that we haven't mentioned already. The... The depth of the 15th green is very shallow. Yeah, I know you've got a lot of room past the flag, but you don't want to go too far because you go in the water past yeah. the flag, past the green. But yeah, so maybe he was expecting it to hop on a little bit as opposed to stick and then then roll back. But you know, again, he hits it four yards further on that hole. We're potentially looking at John Rahm winning it. So yeah. the the margins are so fine, but 
This kid looks really good. I cannot wait for the Ryder Cup with him. And I think, he, you know, he could win a major this year. I think so. I mean, he's, for me, he's, he's, a, he's a major winner waiting to happen, John yeah. Rahm. I think it's just, a, it's just a matter of time. And I think certainly, you know, is this year going to be the year where he does it? You can't see why not. If he continues his yeah. form, you've got to think, well, one of these days, he, you know. I think one thing that maybe he struggles with is when he doesn't quite get it, he doesn't get it going his way. Yeah. He's definitely emotional and you can see him have a bad shot and he will react and... Um, whether he carries that on, I'm not sure. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's aware of it, and I'm sure he works on it. But I'm. I'm pretty sure that if he could control his emotions, maybe a little better, or or certainly make sure he forgets about those, that it doesn't affect the, the rest of his round. Because um, I know we saw him at the uh, at Torrey when he hit it in the water on 18, but yep. it, it was his front nine, mm-hmm. and then he went disastrous after that. And you yeah. think, well, okay, how influential was that? That one shot. And, and, and I think the thing is that he needs to figure out with the people around him that if he loses the plot, or, or, well, what appears to lose the plot, if he gets upset, which we see, you know, if he, if he does something, uh, you know, a physical reaction, does that have effect mentally? Does that affect his shots physically then going forward? You, we generally would say yes. Sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes you need that as a golfer. Yeah. But generally in golf, we see that actually if you do that, you're probably not going to benefit from being that way. But he'll yeah. be able to figure that out through time. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, we've always had, you know, throughout sports, we've had people who've been hotheads and then have suddenly turned into, you know, calmer people and been better. Some people have calmed down and not got yeah. better, but I think Roger it'd be Federer is a good example of that. He was a and bit of a crazy walk, one when yeah. he was younger. They're the ones, they're the, the racket smashers, but <laughs> no. calmed down a bit now, which is uh, yeah, absolutely definitely helped them. Okay, so some interesting stats there, obviously of, of scores and that. And I think you know, looking at the the type of players, Pierce, um, and coming up to the rest of the year, obviously the next Open or the next major is the U.S. Open. It is on uh, June uh, June the fourteenth to the uh, to the seventeenth. At Shinnecock Hills, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be a fantastic golf course. Is that where Pavin won? Pavin won there, I think, yeah. 94. I think it was in 2004. I think it was Retief Hussen. Yeah. So that, that was Retief when he had that... Didn't he have that that 18-foot putt for, to win and he knocked it two foot past or something? <laughs> something stupid. He, had a, he nearly had a little bit of a... He nearly had a mare on there. But yeah, Pavin hit that forward, didn't he? Yeah. I think, I think it was 94. I I'm, I'm, I'm probably could be corrected on that, but... That was one of my, that's probably one of the shots that I remember when I just started yeah. playing golf. It was, a, yeah. he got those Cleveland Vast clubs and, yeah. uh, and he hits the forward onto the green, runs off of the fairway. A t- phenomenal shot. You'd probably think going into Shinnecock that it won't be someone who is a, a short hitter like Pavin. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. To, who, who, can, who can do that. He was just on his game for that event. Um, you've got to look at the people we mentioned. Yeah. Fowler has to be right up there. Rahm has to be up there. Tiger, maybe. I don't know what Tiger's record was like at Shinnecock. You know, Patrick Reed. Yeah. Stenson. Grand Slam. Stenson. Wow. It's, it's, it's actually exciting, isn't it, already? It's amazing what the first major of the year does. It actually, you know, gets you excited for the rest of the season. And it definitely sort of, almost definitely in the Northern Hemisphere, kicks off the golf season. You know, it does, people, yeah. People are thinking about playing golf now because they can because of the weather. Yeah, and it'll certainly get the players thinking about, you know, almost practicing now and getting countdown for the next for June because it's although it's June it's it's not that far away really you know it's from a, from the golfing sort of time and calendar they'll be thinking about that in the back of their mind now so just a, just a quick one on actually players playing in the event as well i think Mickelson will be extremely disappointed as well with his yeah. form going into it because he was 
he was in great form and he would have been ready for this event and he wanted to do well. It's Ryder Cup year, as we know, Phil turns out on Ryder Cup year. So he'd have been really looking forward to playing this event and he'll be, he'll be gutted, but he'll be back for Shinnecock and hopefully he's still in good form. Yeah, definitely. I think golf is definitely good. More exciting when he's... Uh when Phil's on the leaderboard, anyway. It definitely is. Definitely is. Okay, any more to talk about, Pierce? Masters experience. Do you want to summarise your Masters experience? I think the best way for me to summarise my Masters experience is the 16th. 16th. I'm just saying that's it. I, I'm that, that, for me, just made it feel like... It felt so like you were part the, of it, didn't it? This is, yeah, this, this, is, this is my thing with golf. On a major championship Sunday or any Sunday, I've been to major championships, on a, major championships on a Sunday and I've watched tournaments live on a Sunday. I have not particularly enjoyed the Sunday. No. I, I'm standing there going, I really wish I was watching this on TV. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this year was the first time ever yep. that I actually wanted to stay there. Yeah. I did not want to go and watch on TV. I didn't want to go off the golf course. I, I didn't know whether that was going to be the case. I thought there might be something in me that says, oh, I wish I could see this on the golf course. I actually haven't seen all the highlights since, and I'd no. like to watch some of the highlights. Maybe the Masters are going to put it on the YouTube channel, like they have done with the other ones. But for me, sitting there on the 16th with, with you four guys, watching the golf, the banter, the crowd, the atmosphere, the scoreboards turning over, the noises, and then the amazing golf that we saw on 16, the, all these guys, you know, whether it's Spieth's putt, whether it's Ricky Fowler's bunker shot that nearly went in. Yeah. There was just some amazing golf on that hole. So yeah. 16th is for me. That's the way I would sum up my Masters experience. I think, to be fair, I think it's hard for me to actually say any different because I think that, was re that really did sum up the experience for us, all of us together having a good time, soaking it up, enjoying the golf and feeling a part of it there. And I think, like you said, Pierce, when I've, I'd been to a tournament as well and you're trying to sort of walk around the course, trying to see everything, when in fact you don't get to see anything then. Whereas sitting ourselves in the Masters chairs, yeah. sitting in amongst the crowd, seeing the players come up. Um, it's certainly, uh, I would recommend that to anybody who does go to the Masters or a tournament to find a spot and, and just soak it all up and see what happens and, and see it unfold from there, really. so There is one thing I would do differently. What's that? Next time, hopefully next year, I would buy five chairs and I would run and put Get them in the earlier. golf course exactly where I want to sit. Yeah. And I would just go from chair to chair to chair. You're probably not allowed to do that. But I would have a go. What, you buy five chairs? I'll buy five chairs. Yeah. Hey, look at what? I'd like to see you running with <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I have one question for you as well. What was your shot of the week that you saw? Shot of the week that, that saw? I saw? Oh, that's a tricky one. I have three that really stood out for me. Okay, so um, that I saw, well, I didn't see you this one, but I have seen this one. Okay, you can give me that one, but then you um, need to tell me which one you saw. Leishman's shot on 15 that around the trees, uh, the ridiculous hook that he rolled, that he knocked in for Eagle as we well. Look, we looked at that and um, it was like, what are you doing? So that was pretty special. Uh, what else did I see? Um, I saw an incredible shot from Tiger player, a lob shot over the, over the second bunker, spin it back to about two feet and roll that in. Mm, that was pretty good. Um, Actually, that, I forgot that one. You forgot that one? I yeah? forgot that one, but yeah. Um, How about Rory's Eagle chip? Yeah, that was pretty good. We know it was going past, but it, was, it went in. Yeah, it went in, didn't what it? What was yeah. he aiming for? Yeah, exactly. He was aiming for the hole. He was and then, to knock it close. And, then, <laughs> and he actually, obviously, on the 8th the next day, he tried to chip in again yeah. and then missed the putt return, but he went past. He's obviously going for that. Yeah. I think, look, I think for me, there were, there were two of the shots that stood out. Jordan, Jordan Spieth's putt on 16. Yeah. That was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, but this one was just because just it was the raw power of Jason Day's tee shot. 
on 17. 17 he yeah. absolutely slammed it down the right side with a draw and I'm like wow okay that mm. was that was that was as impressive a drive as I've seen you yeah. know other than watching Joe Miller <laughs> drive, that was it, really good. Jason Day. I mean, there's, not, there's some guys out there that don't necessarily um, stand out off the tee, yeah. but he hits the golf ball off the tee, Jason Day, and it like it stays hitting you like it is. It is really impressive, isn't it? It's if he a, could figure it out how to be a little bit straighter, he could compete yeah. a lot, and I yeah. think he would do really well. Yeah. Um, one other note, just quickly as well. We stood where Bubba played that wedge shot. Oh yeah, we from, did, didn't we? And like that is just so <laughs> yeah. that you, you've seen the uh, the overhead um, shot of Bubba. If you haven't, go and find that online. Uh, the tenth when he hooked it around the tree in the playoff against Louis Oosthuizen, and you look at it and you think, well, that curve that you see that one was virtually right angles. That was pretty much correct. Looking yeah. at what I saw, I've never seen. I, I couldn't imagine how you would have done that. No, I don't. I don't understand how you got that much hook spin from a wedge. Phenomenal. Uh, but when you see the shot, yeah, you, you you can't really appreciate how how good that was, really. So uh, I don't think I would fancy trying that pierce. Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Pretty good. So I think, look, hey, the the reason we were there, obviously, as we've said already, is that you know we were there with Adidas as part of the first leg of the um, ultimate road trip. So we did some challenge videos, which are going out next week. So we'll yeah. have our challenge video on our channel. Pete and Seb will have theirs on their YouTube channels as well. So make sure you go and check those out. They were a lot of fun. I think ours was probably a little bit more extreme than we've done before. Um, yeah, very so, extreme. So make sure you check that out. And again, a big thank you to Adidas for getting us out there and obviously giving us this experience. So anything else to add, Andy? I think that's it. Piss. I've got a quote. Quote to finish with. We have okay. to have a quote, don't we? Yeah. Now, I was thinking about this. There's lots of quotes you can obviously have about golf and life. And this one is it's, it's pretty good, but it's, it's from Bobby Jones. So this is the... The person we have to thank, we're thanking Adidas for taking us, but we're thanking Bobby Jones for actually getting this tournament to start back in the day. So, Mr. Bobby Jones, we want to make bogeys easy, if frankly sought, pars readily available, sorry, readily obtainable by standard good play, and birdies, except on par fives, dearly bought. So, basically, I'm going to make you a hard golf course, but if you play well, you will do okay. But you must play the par fives. Sorry, you must take advantage of the par fives, which is exactly what Patrick Reed did. Exactly. Congratulations, well done. So there you have it. That is the end of the Take Charge podcast number 13. And look, what we want to do, obviously, is to grow this podcast, make it as huge as possible. So if you could, could you please share with your friends, let them know how good it is, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time on the Take Charge podcast number 14.